Hello and welcome to Ashes of the Imperium, a 40k podcast from sunny England. My name is Dan. And I'm Steve. Join us as we explore the 41st millennium in all its glory, as we talk narrative gaming, Warhammer lore and awesome hobby. From the grim dark corners of Imperial Hives to the outer reaches of Xenos infested space. Welcome to the Ashes of the Imperium. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Ashes of the Imperium. My name is Dan and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Steve Foote. Steve, how are you? Very good, mate. Yourself? I am, as always, living the dream. Uh, However, today we are not talking about dreams. We are talking about reality, the reality of the crusade of war. And we are going to be going into a little bit more detail on some of your games with your talents so far. How your crusade force has progressed, uh, whether you are keeping calm and crusading on. Yes. Yes, I, th- I think for me, it's that age-old thing, isn't it? You can read rules as many times as you like, but it's actually getting some models on the table and throwing some dice where you really kind of go, ah, right, yeah, that makes sense. And you start to see the scope of it as well, actually. I think that's the other thing I've been revealing. So, yeah, yeah, it's good. Fantastic. And uh, most importantly, have you been using your Crusade journal? I haven't. Um, I have to admit, I've forgotten to order it. So at the moment... I'm a scruffy folder with bits of paper in. And I have to say, even if I did, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to make it all work yet. So I'm just trying to get my head around where do I record what? What's the best way of doing it? Um, But yeah, no, I think think for me as the system, it's doing exactly what I hoped it was going to do. So I think that's um that's good i mean i'll save some conclusions for the end but um sure okay. yeah well let's let's chat about that let's talk about what you were expecting you know was there anything you were having read the rules and obviously we did a a, a fairly uh wasn't really a fairly in-depth it was a, a mild overview <laughs> on episode 50 <laughs> uh we talked all about crusade as a campaign system but from there having read the rules before the games was there anything you were apprehensive or concerned about or not too sure i guess i guess this whole thing of locking down your list and saying right that's it um you know okay i can spend requisition points to change we- uh, weapon systems and i can obviously expand and things like that um but just that whole thing about okay this this is my 25 power level um i hope i've done it right um and i hope it works with the missions that we play um we always had in mind that you know my 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 patrol list is very much like a patrol so you know when we say a patrol would never be the job to you know assault a um you know, defended position in bunkers with um, trenches and everything. That would never be the role that they would get sent on. So that's not what they're going to do. Although with the Talan, I can obviously spend some CP and ambush and come back behind the line. So I, I guess for me, that was probably uh, um, my concern. I guess obviously filling out the paperwork, but it didn't take long. And it's important because it's obviously where you record things. So um, I think I think that was good. Um, well, I, I think recording things, the, the bookkeeping, I think there's quite a fair amount of bookkeeping in this system. And I, you know, jokes about Crusade Journals aside, I genuinely think that's probably a good way to, I guess, channel your thoughts and channel the progress that you're doing. I, you know, whether it is a, a paper copy that you're doing, you know, a, a bunch of bits of paper stuffed in a folder versus a notebook or whatever. Um, I think that's a, a really important way to ensure that your army kind of is kept on track because, I, well, certainly I found with my Mordheim lists, I was <laughs> like, 
you lived off those two bits of paper, the kind of heroes and the warbands, didn't you? Your warband yeah. kind of rosters, you just kind of, everything came out of them. And the amount of stuff that you can get these days in terms of productivity tools, I wouldn't be surprised if people are kind of running, you know, running their crusade camps, campaigns off uh, off things like OneNote or like a Google Drive. Yeah. Well, that's probably more high tech than 40,000, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, OneDrive is really useful and I wish my whole life was run off OneDrive. <laughs> other other non-Microsoft productivity tools are available. <laughs> I, I'm I'm using Teams at the moment for the first time, so that's all uh, that's all new. Oh, don't get me started on Teams. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, how have your games gone? And who did you play? And how many games okay. have you played? Uh, well, we've only played one. All of these questions. Yes, oh, we've only played one. I played against uh, Ben, who's my son, um, who's uh, uh, I'd say tactically a better player than me. He's got a, he's always been good at maths and a natural aptitude of understanding well. You know, three go three of those against two of these, he's got a better chance of winning. So, and, you know, and he's won a couple of prizes for his um, gentlemanship, let's say. But he does play for fun, so I think that's the difference. So, um, yeah, and I think it was, it was also, you know, it was probably an evening's gaming for twenty five power level, but it was an evening of me introducing Crusade to him because he's mm. not really, and I think that was. Uh, that was good fun because I think, he, again, he could see how that was going to shape what he wanted and what he'd brought along uh, literally is just a list to play for funds. He immediately went, oh, no, I wouldn't do that for that. Oh, I wouldn't bring them for that. Oh, no, no, I definitely have. So I think already just just that experience of um, the introduction has given him a sense of what it could mean. Mm. And what what was he playing? Uh, Tau. You. Yeah. And so, he's son. Yeah. <laughs> how do you yes. how do you feel about this, Steve? Well, he plays most games against his other mate, um, and his other mate is Min Maxer. And in some ways Ben enjoys that game's way of playing as well. So they will have, you know, Shadow Sun and the three broadsides and all that sort of stuff, which apparently is good or was good. Um so but I think you know, when we play for fun, we play for fun and the stuff they brought um if, if i talk about the lists so i won't do turn by turn but i'll just give you a sense of what we how we got to where we did um so i got my crusade list my 25 power level which i talked to about on an earlier show but just a quick recap i've got major jahar who's my warlord i've spent requisition point to making my warlord to get the trait he's carrying a artifact a relic sorry which is the claw of the desert tiger um which is the talam one so again playing super flavor and he's also got a plasma pistol because they usually do. So that sounds good. Now, uh, did um, did here's a quick question on this. In fact, I'll let you finish your list in the, before it. Okay. Interrupt. All right, that's fine. Um, then I've got a squad of infantry, a rocket team, flamer, and vox. Uh, I've got an elite choice, which is the master of ordnance. Um, he's acting as like my forward air controller. Uh, I have a fast attack uh, squad of taros. A uh, production forge world models, which I'm calling Jaboa, which is named after a little desert rodent with really long legs that bounds around all over the place. They've got two heavy grenade launchers and one heavy flamer. My heavy support is a squad uh, with two rockets, one auto cannon, and my transport is a chimera with a hunter killer. So that gets me in nicely on that. So my question was, how much did your power level change? Because when we recorded the uh, podcast about our lists, the Games Workshop hadn't updated the power levels yes. for the units. And then they updated them about two weeks afterwards. Yes, I think I'm a, I was a point down from what I planned. So that I think that for me, that makes me, that was okay. There are some implications for the rest of the list, but 
again, I think it's going to be having a chat about how we work that because obviously as units get traits or scars, their crusade points will reflect that. So I think what I might plan to be my 50 power level list might be different because somebody's got two battle traits and I've got no scars. So suddenly there's two power level difference or the equivalent of. Um, so I think I'm just trying to be flexible at the moment and go with the flow. Yeah. So when you say you were one power level down, does that mean you were you were 24 or 26? 24. 24. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just just to be sure, because I was I'm one over. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Very frustrating. <laughs> I need to find a power level somewhere. But uh, we could talk about uh, that in another episode. Yeah. I, I think so. I think so. Let's let's talk through. So the the approach we had with that, um, uh, Benz was bang on the money. So he had broadside commander in a suit, two squads of five fire warriors, some gun drones, an ethereal, and the on foot commander with the knife. What's he called? A uh, slime arbo. No, no. His this was J- J- Ben's. Oh, sorry. Towel list. Towel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, the cadre uh, guy. The card car fireblade. Yes. There we go. So he had and he had, he had... Marbo. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got I've got um Katachan on, on the brain at the moment. I've been um I've been pondering Katachan armies, uh, which is a story for another day. Um, oh dear, yeah, okay. No, yeah, no, oh that, dear. No. Oh dear. It's an expensive uh trip down memory lane. <laughs> and, uh, do you reckon we might see some new models? At well some that's stage? why I'm holding off, because yeah. the the amount of kind of special characters that we've seen recently you've had slime arbor you've got the uh the guy that looks out like the guy out of predator you've got the um, female store opening model that hasn't really been released um, yeah and yeah i'm just i'm just feeling like these are going to be part of a wider catacham release it, so it smells I, like it doesn't it, it does doesn't it yeah so i haven't i bought a whole bunch of metal catacham models i say a whole bunch like you know a squad's worth an infantry squad and i think i'm just going to paint them up for for lols yeah yeah scratch the itch without scratch, exactly that's that's exactly what i need to do in this this uh this <laughs> hobby steve i need to scratch the itch by painting a few models and then be satisfied rather than you know it, building it, a two thousand point worth of army of, of old out of production expensive metal models <laughs> that, that then get replaced yes yeah, yes. And then your really expensive models aren't so expensive after all. Oh, exactly. Um, so when we came to decide how we wanted to play it, um, my approach was, look, we're it's our, both off a first game of ninth. There's some things we've got to do. Uh, I've got a new army to learn. So let's not have everything fluid. Let's actually just pick a mission out of the book, maybe give it a twist, but keep with that because we know that that works. So even if we fail with the rules... We haven't failed with the making a permission, if that makes sense. Mm. So we went for the Crusade mission, Incursion, which is Recon Patrol, which we kind of made sense that our forces were going to clash. That's a quartered table deployment with players starting in opposites. And there's kind of a 10-inch circle in the middle of the table, which is kind of like a a non-scoring zone. Um, the idea is that you place objective mark, take it in turns placing objective markers on the table. The rules said four, but um, we had only three fuel tanks. So we said we'll have three. Um, again, going off piste a little bit already. Um, but what we'd set up was some uh, scenery that we got from Dark Fantastic Mills, friend of the show. And it was set up as a, an abandoned base. 
and the idea that it was kind of in no man's land and both forces were going to explore it. And what they needed to do is they needed to check on the fuel tanks, how much fuel was left on this base to make it operational again. So the idea being is to go and hold hold the objective. It was you go and check in the fuel level on those tanks. Um, so it's an objective-based mission, take and hold, which you scored. And if you scored more, if you held more than the other person. And then you had strategic reserves, um, which means you had to put um, at least half the number of units, not points, half the number of units in reserve. They came on on a four up or uh, by turn three, they de- they came on automatically. Um, so just for that point, I was looking at my force and thinking, well, what would it be? And for me, it definitely made sense for the buggies to be on the table because they were leading. Um, and then that kind of flipped the other side and that I had my commander the infantry squad, they probably went made sense to go inside the um, Chimera and they would be coming, reacting to what any conflict or any encounters that the, the rest of the squad had. So what that kind of meant was that uh, that left me with the, my forward observer, who's my um, uh, master of ordnance, thank you. So my master of ordnance and my heavy weapons. So the idea being that heavy weapons kind of set up uh, the edge of the of the, the base kind of overwatching the buggies went in to you know search out what was going on and then hopefully quite quickly although it didn't work out that way the uh, major jihar would come in um all guns blazing and you know grab the objectives that were needed um so he, we, we obviously messed with the mission a little bit uh the other way you scored points in this game was a recon sweep uh which meant that in your movement phase um, if you had a unit wholly within a s- s- table quarter uh, that you'd not been in before, that counted as you were recognited and you scored points for it. And they, they kind of upscaled. So uh, one table quarter was zero, two was five points. If you'd recognized three was 15 points. And if you managed to get all four was 45 points. So there was obviously quite a lot to draw you to go and do that. Um but the important thing with the reconnoiter was you only scored outside that 10-inch circle in the middle. So you couldn't just run everyone to the middle and... Just sort know. of nip in and out, yeah. as it were, out of the quarters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, we set up the table, and I've got two three-foot-by-four-foot boards obviously come together to make your six-by-four. See? Mass supreme there. What we decided is we put the three-by-four on the table took the mat so it fell over the edges and we kind of went that looks nice so we, we made that our play area yeah so obviously technically the minimum size is less than that mm. it played fine for what we did so i you know I, I still believe it was a legal table size it was just a bit bigger than the minimum yeah well that's for mi- minimums minimum isn't it well yeah and obviously we, we hear a lot of chatter about it <laughs> um um and yeah, and then we, I mean, we played the game. I won't do turn by turn, but an interesting kind of psychological thing. Um, I didn't really want to lose many units. I didn't. I wanted to try and fulfil the mission, but not the buggy. The buggies went in and found the tower quite quickly. There was some open lanes of fire, but there was also plenty of line of sight blocking scenery because the, the blocks that, of the building. Was that because you were kind of playing in a recon mindset? Or was it because of the concerns about getting uh, the kind of implications of getting things killed in the campaign? Yeah, I think for me, it's like game one, everything's wiped out. The chances, you know, I've got six units there. At least one of them is going to have a battle scar. And and then you kind of think, well, I don't want to then have to spend a requisition to get rid of it. 
if it's a bad one. Mm. So it's like... What I other got, requisition had you spent, apart from the warlord trait? Uh, and was to have the relic, which and, was and the, Yeah, sorry, the relic as well. Um, yeah. Had you done any others? No, uh, left me with three. Sure, saving, uh, saving up for later. Yes. Yes. Again, I think I think for me, it's um, you've got to spend them because you can't save them up beyond five. Um, but for me, it was just like, let's let's just put my toe in the water a bit more like a recon patrol. You know, let's not go all in and boost everything up. Let's just see what what happens. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think ultimately uh, the buggies went in. They had the opportunity to run through a lot of the, the tower and maybe even run a few over. And then, you know, they're not terrible. Um, They've they've actually got uh, weapon skill four, so but there's still only two attacks, strength four. So you know you're getting run over by a June buggy. So it's mainly tires. But I think I think what I found was that if I'd have done that, I would almost certainly got you know wiped out. And it was then, and they were nowhere in range for a commander to give them you know get back in the fight or anything like that. So it was just kind of like no, they went in, shot some stuff up, did some damage pulled out but what they actually did is they made they they forced the tower to kind of chase around after them mm. and they, their movement 15 you know plus an advance meant they soon got whipped around a building or out of the way but then the tower couldn't come chasing after them because then they were in line of sight of the of the heavy weapons team so it kind of kept them in that sector and, and ultimately won me the game and that i won like on pinning them down yeah but i had to get in there because i had to go and um you know had to go and score the points otherwise they would they could if they could just hide behind walls and rack it up i I, so um what that meant was uh my reinforcement didn't didn't arrive till turn three um nice nice dice rolling but when they did turn up we managed to rock up pile out and although we lost the chimera so that was my one complete you know unit loss of, of, of the game um and and that was played in the spirit of well, the tower are going to retreat because if, you know they've they've kind of lost their strategic position. But what they don't want is them everybody charging after them, jumping back in the chimera and charging after them. So we'll target the chimera. Chimera shot. Then the tower can go, knowing that you know I've got to try and catch them, you know, on legs. So I think for me that was the kind of fun thing we were begin- we were telling the story even after the battle. So. I think that's that's probably that's one of the great things about narrative gaming, isn't it? Is that you can it's not like the the game finishes afterwards because you can kind of talk about uh, to be honest, it's not 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 just the thing that's unique to narrative gaming. It happens in match play as well. You know, when you finished a, a game at a tournament, you're off, off in Bugman's, whatever, having a pint with your opponent and chatting about what could have happened or what nearly happened and how things could be different. And that's, that's exactly the same for casual games, whether it's for, with family members or friends. You kind of like talk about, oh, how cool would it be if this could thing or like, do you know what that means? My commander's out to get the blood of your squad next. That kind of thing. Thing. yeah yeah exactly and and i think uh, because because the scoring was based on um nothing to do with kills then it didn't really matter so which one he could try and take out it, it, I, I think for me that's where when when you put in very clear deciders about who's winning and who's losing then you can't help but chase those so if it is who's got the most kill points or who's it, it forces the players to play in a certain style, whereas you've got there's no impetus for you to kind of really heavily commit yourself in in kind of brutal pyrrhic victory combats, is there? Exactly, exactly. And 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 I think the mission we set out was about recon discovering, you know, is this base viable? Um, 
and you know who's there so sort of if we were kind of campaign further with that thing then i've held the base um i think you know that gives me then a starting point so maybe i'm a little bit deeper into no man's land than if we were to play when we play the next game um but yeah i, th- I think for me and then you know the dreaded rolling for casualties <laughs> before we do that did you take any agendas yes we did which agendas uh, did you take uh i think i can't remember which one ben took now um but i definitely took uh the first strike so first strike uh keep a first strike tally for each unit from your army add one to the unit's first tally first strike tally each time it destroys an enemy unit in the first battle round each unit from your army gains the number of experience points equal to their first strike tally okay so did you did you get any of those no i didn't no um i did get but, first but you, were, you were playing as i say you were playing in a quite, quite kind of cautious manner so there's an interesting scene in that we shared that at the beginning so ben knew that was my agenda i haven't asked him but he definitely did deploy in a protective way mm. so i'm not sure whether he thought counter that agenda yeah so that's that, quite interesting even though because it's no it's no disadvantage to him no i mean obviously losing his units first turn is a disadvantage but there's no kind of the fact that you're getting experience isn't necessarily going to disadvantage him because there's an inbuilt way to balance that. But yes. also, given that it's you know a family game, you're more likely to play each other than you know it's not like a random bot down the club, is it? Yeah, exactly. So maybe he's he's playing he's being sneaky and playing the long game. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Benjamin Foot, we know your we know your style. <laughs> You've taught him well, Steve. That's the best thing about playing against your son is you know if you win, you're still the best, and if you if you if he beats you, you've you've taught him well. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I probably should win a bit more, maybe, but I don't know. Having that as my agenda did raise a question. Because we didn't do it for the start of the game, I said, look, we'll park it and talk about it later. Um, but there's some stratagems. So again, for me, this was a really good learning experience in that um, a lot of what I've played 40K in the past has been very narrative. And generally speaking, um, I've not had much CP and it's not really been about you know, building units around that. And I and I really wanted this version, sorry, this army for this new version of the game to to, to do that. And, and but not to min max, but to try and um take advantage of the, the strategies out there that will make my army come to life how I see them. So the conversation we had was there was a stratum called Go Recon. Use this strategy in the start of your shooting phase, select a unit of scout sentinels from your army. This unit can immediately move 2d6, but cannot shoot or charge this turn. So obviously that's not very helpful for my um, first strike. But the conversation is, would it be okay to apply that stratagem to my buggies, to my Taros buggies? They're they're the same um, power level. I think you can get the Sentinels, especially the Armored Sentinels, to have better weaponry. Mm. Um, what, was but the, I think what was the stratagem called? Go Recon. Go recon. Um, yeah, I suppose. Like, how did you have that conversation with your um, with your opponent before? Not before the game. It kind of came up. So what came I said up. is, I won't use it, but let's talk about it at the end. Mm. And then it was at the end. I said, "How do you feel about me using that?" And Ben said, 
that's fine. Yeah, I think that's, again, that's a great um, example of something where in narrative games, these conversations are really important to have before the situation happens. Yeah. Because if you, if you're face to face, and I know, you know, we all like to think of ourselves as uh, as very reasonable people who are able to see, be unbiased and balanced in their, in our judgments. But um, if you're having a conversation, you say, hey, are you happy that regardless of where this dice lands, if it's on terrain and not on the mat, you re-roll it? You're like, yes, I, I agree to that at the beginning of the game. Even if it looks like it's roughly flat on a bit of terrain, yeah. if it's not on the terrain, if it's not on the mat, you re-roll it, regardless of what it is. Flat Just on the so, green. Flat on the green. <laughs> even if it's like, you know, flat on a Citadel Wood little cutout where it's, you know, yeah. on a bit of base, that's technically still on the terrain, you still re-roll it. Just because that's the that way there's zero kind of cause for concern. And you have that conversation uh, or, or kind of discussion. You have that conversation at the start of the game. Everyone agrees. Everyone's happy. That way you pick up the ones, you pick up the sixes regardless. When someone rolls, you know, all their sixes and all their sixes happen to be on a bit of terrain and they seem like they're very fa- fairly certain to be sixes. There's no kind of discussion about that. But you're like, oh, well, I don't really play like that. I like to have them on the mat just for kind of consistency <laughs> yeah. and you're like well of course your opponent's not going to agree to that there and then because yeah. you haven't discussed it beforehand even yeah. though you know and, and it, this is where chris one of my opponents from home kind of talks about things. he's like well if it's if it's obviously a six even if it's on terrain it doesn't matter right and that's where actually like a more casual environment at home uh, is one thing but in a tournament where you're like you kind of you instill that that ethos in your game just to to remove any discussion about dice whereas in at home you don't really need to do that because you should always be able to like put your put your ego to one side just play the game right yeah i I think i think for me it's all about intent you know what's my intent from using these things and i I think the other thing we both said right at the beginning of the game it's like this is a new edition i've got a new army um we won't do sort of massive takey backses but you know if something's obviously not quite right or it been missed we're not gonna you know we're not gonna say oh no you can't do that it's like what's the intent here and what are we learning so the idea was that let's have a fun game learn everything what works what doesn't ben got to understand more about crusade that got him buzzing on ideas for his own so i think for me you know let's i'm gonna call that a win um and and actually you know i've actually got some points on my data sheets i've got some some people progressing so i think you know I'm excited about that. So I think, you know, that's got to be, it's got to be a good game, right? Good, good, good game of Warhammer, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really important. So um, before we go into how your units progressed, what's Ben thinking about now in terms of what he's going to be working on? Is it going to be more Tau or? Um, He's got plenty that he could do um, Crusade with. I I think he likes the idea of Nids. Yes. Good man. I think I bought a Chaos Army off him, didn't I? Yes, you did. I did. Yes. <laughs> um, I think the, one of the nice things, Ben does like to have, buy an army, and that doesn't always end up being a finished project. So I think the nice thing about... Uh, I can't judge. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, Young people these days, mate, no commitment. <laughs> but, I mean, even though he's busy with the job, he's also got a car and a girlfriend and mates and all sorts of different things. Yeah. So... You know, I think actually for him, he basically said, so it's 25 power level. Yes. Yeah. And we can just keep playing 25 power level. I can try a different list in 25 hour. I don't mind. Or we can ease it up to 50 or it'll be 30 because by the time, you, you know, you've got a couple of battle honors gone through, then, mm. you know, and I don't mind playing 25 versus 30. I, I, I'm not worried that yeah, 
you just you just design a scenario to fit around it don't you yeah exactly exactly and and i think you know and i can have an uh you know if i have a heroic last stand by the major then there's a story to tell there and you know of course if there is a opportunity to to get a trait then he's the one who's going to get it and he'll get yeah. one that's that fits so um you could stick him in a dreadnought oh that's not a thing <laughs> you could make him a relic turn him, his, turn, turn him into the skeleton that's at the front of a shield <laughs> <laughs> or, yes. or potentially, you know, his bolt pistol or his sword. You know, the, the the relic that someone carries in your next army is his his sword. You know, yes. his hat pa- pa- or whatever. Yeah, passed down. Yeah, no, that's exactly good. like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, talk to me about your um, battle traits and the results and all that jazz. What happened? So, um, uh, grab to win. I was doing really well until the last when I kind of needed the major to turn up, and he didn't. So, the town managed to get a couple of turns of having more than me uh, but i think it was about 40 to 45 in the end i managed to grab and that was mainly through grabbing the third recon which is what i did with the chimera coming in so um so yeah that was a win so at the end of the game you get experience points um which means uh, every unit that fought gets an experience point every time you cause casualty that racks up and then that allows you to get more experience points and what you're allowed to do is you're allowed to pick a kind of man of the match a unit that are marked for greatness greatness and they get three experience points so what do experience points get you they build up into battle honors and battle honors can be spent as traits points mean prizes exactly battle traits which is skills and, and abilities weapon enhancements which allows you to upgrade your war gear, psychic abilities, and crusade relics, so unique relics that are found during the crusade. So did anyone did anyone kind of rank up to blooded? No. 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 So I think that was in that was really interesting for me. Um obviously I, I took out two of his units and he took out one of mine. So we didn't rack up a load of kills. And I think that's an interesting thing that you'll find obviously in the smaller games and that mm. there aren't that many to kill, you know, whereas if you had um you know hundred power level, you you're gonna lose I don't know, half your army. So what's that going to be? Five, 10, 12 units, maybe? It depends mm. how you set up. Um, and who uh, did you mark for greatness? So I went by the fact of who actually kind of scored some hits and, and did a job. So for me, it was the Jaboa buggies. I was just about to say, I bet it was the buggies. <laughs> yeah, the buggies. And actually, actually, if you um, go over 10, they get a five up in fun because dust and speed and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they were actually quite survivable, really. Um, unlucky die rolling on Ben, but they I lost one out of the three, so too bad. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I think I mean uh, the grenade grenade launchers were mixed. The f- heavy flamer because you couldn't kind of run in and then run out again was did okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they're not hugely dangerous, but I think they um, yeah they they did all right. They did all right. They, they did, did all right. right. They did all right. Yeah, well done. No, the little buggies that could. Yeah, exactly. I just can't imagine they'd roll over a a dune and get shot in the air like skeets but they did okay so they they, they got marked for greatness and then the other one was the, the the heavy weapons team because although you know they they did actually uh frag rocket five man um fire warrior team i think it was them constantly looking for angles that kept the heads down of the tower and actually stopped them from being able to reconnoiter that much more of the table so i think you know uh, they didn't actually kill anyone, but they did reduce the combat efficiency of the enemy. So that's a result in my book. So you marked them for greatness as well? Yeah. 
Uh, now, it just reminds me how you do that. Uh, so you put it down on your sheet or in your journal. And then what that does is... Uh, how, how did you mark two units for greatness? Uh, I just marked them. I, on my bit of paper, again, me trying to work out how to do it. I just marked down on my piece of paper that they were marked for greatness. So rather than just giving them three experience points... But mechanically, in the rules, is that possible to do two? The, That's the question. So the question is, normally you do one. Yeah. But the victory results of the mission... Well, that's the, what the I'm victor. looking for. Sorry. Yeah. yeah so that's fine. my bad. My bad. I think that's you did fine. say it earlier, but um, that's fine. Uh, I wasn't listening. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So because you won the mission, you could mark two for greatness. Yes. Okay. That's that. Sorry. That's the bit that I was missing. Yeah. Um, no, that's fine. So yeah, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the victory result. So that was, that was pretty good. So they tempted, turned... temp, tempted to edit this out, but uh, I think it's a valuable learning point to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for people no. to hear that the, the, the missions impact that, uh, and I can just look like an idiot. So I think for me, what that leaves me with is obviously um, I've I've got those guys on a track now to be getting a, a, a trait. The chimera that got knocked out broadside um, didn't become a casualty. I made my amazing die roll, so that was fine. So no no battle scars for that. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to to. Um, to play them again um different That's mission pretty good isn't it like you've done yeah. you've, you've played a game you've got a few kills you've started earning experience but no one's had any kind of lasting injuries can't yeah. be uh currently also much more than that can you no I, I think i think you know people are progressing so i mean ultimately could i've been a bit more you know yolo and just gone straight in there um yes but it didn't feel didn't fulfill the mission and it didn't feel right for the story we we're trying to tell yeah um, there will be ones like that. that oh, no yeah, doubt. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. I, I, I think that, I mean, two things. First of all, it got me really excited for the extra models that I'm looking to add to the army. But also it kind of went, do you know what? 25 power level is really good. Yeah, it's just quite a cool level to play in, isn't it? I'm going to hopefully get a game in over this this, uh, this coming weekend uh, just to, to, to take my, my renegade uh, Astro out for their first outing. Nice. Against nice. uh, against a player who hasn't played for it for a very long time. Cool. So it'll be cool. yeah, it'll be it'll be a nice little small intro game slash um, slash to my first crusade. Get some get some pencil in your journal. Absolutely. Break the break those pages for the first time. <laughs> looking forward to it. So what what are you looking forward to the most in the future in terms of um, you know crusading? I suppose I kind of get a bit twitchy to make a map. Yeah. I, I want I want to have a place where this exists should we make should we make a map then for where our talon and uh and renegades are fighting yeah yeah me oh that's a good point actually that's well segued onto terrain and maps and stuff like that steve yeah yeah yeah. so let's make a let's make a map uh to to do that but um talking of terrain and maps uh there was some announcements recently last weekend there was a uh i guess a reveal show although um, a lot of the stuff they talked about uh was also was stuff that we kind of already knew was coming to an yes. extent. Yeah. Um, but it did reveal some pretty cool things. 40k. Yes. Yeah. So we had uh well we had Lionel Johnson, which we've seen before, some Night Lords Terminators. I, I think have we definitely seen those before? I'm not sure, but we see we know that obviously book nine uh has got lots of uh Night Lords and uh Dark Angels in it. That's fine. Road to Thramas, I think, has been been a quite cool series to follow. Uh so right, we've had a cool little Necron gun shooter slinger thing. Uh yeah. some, a little terrain kit to kind of go with the starter sets. But the most exciting thing for me is the tactical deployment, which is like a kind of terrain supplement. Yes. Um, so this pack contains 80 new match play missions, which allow you to bring your own themed terrain and use it to create a balanced battlefield alongside your opponents for close fought games. Yes. I'd... Yeah. So it's 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 really quite interesting to see how 
that uh you know brings varied tables to life because you know i've already spoken previously about wanting to uh you know do some really themed terrain sets yeah so i think i'm going to base it out of what comes out of that book yeah i mean because you've got plenty of kits ready to go yeah a little bit too much probably but (laughs) but yeah I think, again, as long as you talk to your opponent and you both agree that, you know, this is going to be a you know, close quarter battle table and your troops know they're going into it, then, you know, bring a force that's ready to do that. You know, there's no point bringing las cannons if you're in a corridor fight. Do you know what I mean? You need, you need to be flamers and you need to be. So I think I think I think as long as there's that conversation. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued because there's, there's a new box set of scenery out as well, isn't there? Yeah, Vertigus. So, which is push fit box stuff, I think. Yeah, some um, interesting new pieces in there. That kind of with um, a shrine or thing. Yeah, sort of, yeah, with pipework and yeah, is that yeah, and also that kind of uh, furnace. Yeah, like a weird oil drum thing. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, and a a, cru- a dedicated crusade book, the first of um, the dedicated crusade books. Yeah. Uh, beyond this. beyond the veil yes so venture into the prior nexus and battle under the baleful influence of the necron technologies within you'll be able to play loads of missions at every game size and gain incredible rewards including upgradable war gear new battle traits and more but beware for the threats of the prior nexus are many a host of battlefield conditions can affect your games and dangerous battle scars await setting your crusade battles within the prior nexus will give you new narrative opportunities allowing you to tell the story of your army thriving or indeed struggling within this terrifying celestial phenomenon dum 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 i think necron terrains like it's just must be super easy to do it's just polystyrene blocks with kind of things etched into it isn't it (laughs) yeah i mean if you want to do it basically egg egg, egg cups pushed into it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no I, i i think for me this is like the most exciting thing because we start building up this huge collection of different battle scars you know how do we make these um, relics work and so that we can start building our own you know we can have the game where we're, we're fighting over a relic and whoever gets it um but also you know battlefield conditions you know we're talking weather or you know yeah yeah i think like all that stuff i know how excited you are about weather steve i do yeah let, well, let's not go back to the vigilous weather gate <laughs> of yesteryear <laughs> But yeah, no, I can imagine like warp storms or kind of, you know, Necron zappy electrical nonsense going on, that kind of thing. Yeah, get too near to them and it earths through you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you know, this is just the start. This is just the first mission pack. So what else are we going to see? Um, like Death World Forest stuff coming out when Castachans get released? Yeah, 100%. Like- Manky high fleet tyranid worlds. Yeah, you know, yeah, tyranid worlds. Uh, yeah, it's kind of orc workshops and yeah, rusty kind of junkyard type stuff. Yeah, or or maybe even onboard ships. Yeah, that would be cool. Like kind of space Hulk, but larger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a kind of zone, like zone mortalis for forty k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy days. Can't wait. Or I think the thing is that once you've got a couple of these under your belt and you can see the principles of how the rules work, it would be really easy to then take certain elements from it and say, well, we're going to use this rule from here and this rule from yeah, here. Yeah, create your own. And then say, this is own Mortales. And you just kind of go, yeah, okay, that's fine. I understand those. You know, it's not it's not all made up. It's the fact that you've mashed it up. Mm. You've been inspired by existing rules, but added your own personal element to it. Yeah. And I think and for me... That's you, the kind of core ethos of, of how you game, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, 
if I, if I go all in making stuff up, it either A, gets very complicated quickly or B, gets unbalanced. So for me to use the skills of the you know the rules writers and the test play test teams to say this is a good thing and well I'll have that good thing from there and that good thing from here and I'll put it together and you've got something a bit different but it's not so different that you try and explain to other players like take you can't take all your own rules to the club because people will be like what hang on a minute what? I'm, I'm, <laughs> what I'm gonna hell? need an hour to read all this yeah stuff. yeah exactly but whereas you can say this is narrative I'm going to use this and this and they go oh, okay I've I didn't thought of that or that sounds weird, but let's give it a go. And, and, th- and I think that's, uh, so yeah. So yeah. And I think for players who aren't necessarily, uh, you know, particularly experienced in narrative play or, or wouldn't necessarily consider themselves kind of hardcore narrative players, maybe breaking into that can be difficult. So if you are, you know, if your club is very narrative focused and you want to bring in more people, I think like lowering the barrier to entry by, you know, not having to write 20 pages on each character's life history and, you know, setting it, within accessible reach of new players i think that's important and i think it's actually something we're going to be discussing uh in in a in a very short while actually (laughs) um uh when we switch over to the other podcast um so steve is joining me on priority role my age of sigma podcast to talk about what it's like being a narrative gamer in uh gaming in a match play dominated environment so um if yeah, I think we're going to discuss concepts that will be relevant to 40k and AOS. We will be focusing on AOS, given that it's the uh, is an AOS podcast. But uh, yeah, do check it out if you want to kind of listen to Steve chat about you know integrating his kind of narrative aspirations in a, in a match play world. Yep, sweet. Steve, people want to follow you on on the social medias. Where can they find you? Yep, so they can find me on Twitter, where I'm at Tin Racer Steve. I also run a Patreon, uh, which allows you to get to see the workings of my mind. So that's either a good or a bad thing. And from just two dollars a month, uh, you get to see all the content. Um, and there's at least two to three posts a week. Uh, some of it can literally be the mess of my desk. Sometimes it's a scrappy piece of paper, and sometimes it's videos. Uh, but you you can find that on Patreon.com forward slash Footworks. That's Foot with an E. So it's F O O T E works Dan. Brilliant. and i am danger mouse 425 on twitter but most importantly the podcast is aoti 40k on facebook instagram and twitter you can always write to us we are ashes of the imperium at gmail.com and indeed you can leave us a voice note if you go to anchor.fm forward slash aoti 40k look forward to uh chat to you guys next time keep calm crusade on cheers guys 